Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here once again from different locations at Lambeau Field. And Wes, the uh, Packers 2023 minicamp has concluded. The offseason program for 2023 is also done. As you and I are recording this episode, the players are out at uh, a paintball activity. Um firing away and having uh having some fun. I wanted to get your thoughts though as far as wrapping up this offseason program. This entire 2023 season is going to be all about the transition to Jordan Love. So I will just throw it out there to you as an open-ended question. What were your impressions of Jordan Love based on what we got to see in this yeah, good, uh in this offseason work? Good work, strong work. And I felt like, you know, one of the things he touched on when he had his last media availability with us was Two two biggest points of emphasis. The the first one on the field was the throwing on the run. That was something that him and Tom Clements, Connor Lewis, that entire room talked about going into this offseason program. They wanted to be able to test him a little bit more there. They did a ton of drills in that area of the, the field early in the camp. And then obviously that kind of naturally translates to the to what you know the team period and seven on seven as well. That, that was one area of Jordan Love's game. He felt like he really needed to grow uh, in this offseason. They put the work into it. The other one is more mental. It's more from a leadership perspective, and that is the responsibility that comes with being QB1. And Jordan Love now is officially the face of the franchise. It's just it goes hand in hand. And I thought he hit that out of the park this offseason. I mean, since the beginning of the offseason program, Mike, how many times since the time that that trade happened with Aaron Rodgers, how many times did Jordan Love speak? Three, four times? Yeah. Uh, he is a guy that has that he, he's quieter, but it's a quiet confidence about him. And I feel like that's really going to translate and kind of hit down to all those different levels of the offense and the entire locker room. There are going to be, you know, good days and bad days. There were a few more interceptions, I think, this offseason program than maybe we'd seen when during the Aaron Rodgers era. But I think it's also understanding, you know, getting those reps in and trying to learn from them. And that's going to be the biggest key for Jordan Love in 2023 is what he learns from his first year as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Yeah. And what stood out to me the most this spring, in addition to what you just mentioned, and is actually something that uh, that you also wrote about in the insider inbox column. I saw a young quarterback who was willing to cut it loose. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I did. It didn't feel to me watching the practices we got to watch when they were in when the offense was in 11 on 11, when they were doing seven on seven, the the truly competitive stuff, even though it was without any pads on. Um, he wasn't holding back, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't uh, Jordan love, you know, now that it, now that it's his offense to run and he's QB one that he's suddenly just going to become check down Charlie and, and uh, um, you know, and, and be hesitant to uh, um, you know, to take his shots down the field, to let it rip. Now we'll see what happens in training camp when, when it's 11 on 11, when all the guys are there, when the pads go on and, and the the competitiveness of practice, you know, kind of cranks up and, and gets to another notch. But I thought that's what exactly he did, what ex exactly what he had to do 
this spring in terms of in terms of not be afraid of anything, you know, take some chances and and uh, um, and challenge challenge himself as well as challenge the defense down the field. I mean, yeah, there were some interceptions. Some things didn't go that well. That's what you look at on the film. That's how you learn. That's how you grow as a quarterback. And and uh, and I thought the way I thought the way he approached it, not not saying with a not saying with a careless attitude, but not being too careful and just uh, um, and just playing the game in an aggressive manner. I liked what I saw uh, on the field in the spring. Yeah, I, I said it from the beginning, Mike. I feel like there is he there's more of a gunslinger element to how he plays the game of football. Absolutely. You know, I think you're going to see that a little bit more probably with love than he did with Rogers. You have to curtail that. Mm-hmm. But of all the criticisms, because the original reason it came up in inbox is people saying, well, he's not one to throw downfield. Well, one, you don't know that you've seen him. You've, you've barely seen him play quarterback. I know that for a fact. But two, he is more than willing to put the ball downfield. That is not a trepidation whatsoever. That play he had, Mike, in Tuesday's practice where it's a seven on seven drill. You know, they're inside the Don Hudson Center, so they're being careful. Nobody was wanting to get hurt here 39 days away from the start of training camp. But that throw he had to Christian Watson, his arm strength, the trajectory of the ball, Christian Watson's speed and his ability to catch it in stride and go downfield, that was one of the best pass and catches I've seen in my time covering the Green Bay Packers in a in an in, you know offseason practice period. Yeah. Regardless of who the quarterback is, the kid has all the intangibles of a first round pick. It's going to be understanding the rigors and the day to day and everything that's involved with it, because this isn't a boxing fight. You know, it isn't it isn't going to be one of these things where you got to go play once and then, okay, see you again in three months. Yeah. It's going to have to do it every single week uh, starting in July. So hopefully it gets a chance to reset here these next five, six weeks, come back fresh for training camp because. Mike, when they report back and the calendar starts to count down to that first preseason game, you know, that's when things really get real. Yeah. I mean, Matt LaFleur even said it in his uh, his final address to the media before that second mini camp practice that uh, that when training camp rolls around, it's it's go time. There's there's no there's no holding back. I mean, and that's one of the things that's a it's a big transition for the rookies where, you know, OTAs is kind of learning and and it's like, OK, you know, you make a mistake. We'll talk about it. Let's you know, let's work our way through it in training camp. You know, when they're 11 on 11, they're running play after play after play. It's it's uh, um, it's it's a fast paced, competitive um, get ready for the season, uh, you know, type of environment. And, uh, um, you know, Jordan Love has obviously been through that before, not as not as QB one. And uh, um, he did, you know, at least in this uh, this mini camp setting, we did see, as we had talked about on our previous show, Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, who had not been um, participating in the voluntary OTAs. They were here as the starting cornerbacks in mini camp. It made for some uh, I guess you'd say some any anytime Jair Alexander, Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas are both on the field. There's going to be energy and spirit to a practice. You're going to hear a lot of barking and chirping, and that's just the way they go about it. And uh, um, so it was. You could definitely feel their presence was back on the field. But that's also that was also important stuff, particularly in the seven on sevens for uh, for Jordan Love to uh, uh, to challenge himself, to challenge the defense to uh, to challenge his receivers to go uh, to go make some plays against those guys before uh, um, before training camp gets here. And uh, and it gets a, a lot more serious in terms of preparing for the season. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I thought it was one of those uh, sort of litmus tests, those barometers for where a young quarterback needs to be. And I, I thought, you know, there was going to be some battles there. Uh, I thought you saw, you know, Jair Alexander, as as Love talked about, he kind of baited him into one uh, in the <laughs> two-minute drill, being able to get that pick off of him. But that big pass to Christian Watson, that that was over Alexander as well. Uh, who said, who says zone defense never works, right? Yeah. That was a, that was a, that was a zone call and job baited him into the, uh, into the kind of that honey hole throw down the sideline and then boom interception. And that, uh, that ends the two minute drill. And that's uh, those are the kind of plays that, uh, that guys like number 23 can make. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I also like that uh, going back to Tuesday's practice inside the Don Hudson center, you know, that, that red zone period where the defense is winning that drill one after another, right? They're within the first, you know, what, 10, 15 yards of the end zone. But then Love just throws an absolute dime on kind of a corner fade to Romeo Dobbs. Dobbs makes a phenomenal catch on the play. Yeah. That was over Jair Alexander's coverage too. So dragged skid- it, dragged his feet, kept his feet in bounds on that one too, right in the corner. Yep. Yeah. I mean, in, in that kind of look, Mike, I mean, credit to Corey Ballantine and, and, you know, Shamar John Charles and, and all these young corners that have been in here. Keyshawn Nixon was here for a lot of these practices too, but the game's different when it's a two-time all pro out there. And I feel like that's really strong work for love to get now uh, as he prepares to see that type of look every single day of August. Yeah, no question about it. Well, a couple other topics I want to get to here, but first a little bit of sponsor business. Sirius XM NFL radio delivers hard hitting analysis and up to the minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24 seven, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. All right. Well, one item that we had talked about on our last show in terms of previewing minicamp actually did come to fruition in that we got to see rookie sixth round draft pick and kicker Anders Carlson in a couple of field goal periods here during minicamp. One was inside the Hudson Center on Tuesday with all the rain outside. Another was on Wednesday when uh, the players were back out on Nitschke Field. And um, the first thing I'll say about Anders Carlson is leg strength is not a problem. And exactly why he's a kicker who was drafted, not one not one who ended up going the undrafted route. He the, 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 the young man has a big leg. You know, it was funny, Mike, because we talked all off-season program about when are we going to see Anders Carlson? When are we going to see Anders Carlson kick? Because they've just been something. It's one thing I like, actually, that Bisaccia does is it's very procedural, right? I, I've seen them yeah. take take more reps at field goal kicks without actually kicking the ball than any other time in my my 10 years covering this team. I mean, he does it religiously making sure guys know their blocking assignment, making sure you yep. see what the snap looks like, the hold looks like that everything else is there other than the kick, because ultimately you do want to keep these guys healthy and you want to keep the, you know, kicking and punting legs strong. That being said, we got to see Anders Carlson kick a lot of field goals on Tuesday and Wednesday on Tuesday. He's booming these things, but they're inside the Don Hudson center. So you're kind of like, okay, you know, what is it? This is perfect conditions, no issues. Well, then he goes out to the practice field on Wednesday and Mike, there was one period where they're, they're doing some seven on seven work, but Carlson is practicing the operation right in front of us. And he is kicking probably seven, eight feet in front of us. And I use this as my insider inbox headline. I mean, the ball just torpedoes off his foot. Yeah. Um, 
you know, again, I, I'm not going to put this guy in the Packers Hall of Fame. We got a long way to go. We got to see what the field goal accuracy looks like. But from a pure fundamental standpoint, after hearing Rich Bisacci and Brian Gutekunst and all these guys talk about this young man's leg strength, holy moly, Anders Carlson has a foot on him. And it would, lastly, I'll just quickly say I was talking to Colby Wooden, his teammate at Auburn, who, by the way, I, I didn't know this until he mentioned it. They also were locker mates within one of each other at Auburn, too. So very familiar feeling for both of those guys being next to each other in Green Bay. But he said, yeah, I mean, the thing you got to understand about Durs, he kept calling them Durs, is that, you know, the amount of athletic ability that this young man has mixed with his work ethic and how much him and his brother really live, breathe and eat kicking. It, it gives him a really solid chance now to be able to follow in Daniel's footsteps in the NFL and, and be, I think, the type of, you know, kicking prodigy that a lot of people predicted him to be when he succeeded him at Auburn. Yeah, and what really caught my eye in watching him with the field goals, and and we saw him, I believe, in the two practices in terms of charting it, he made 11 out of 12 from several distances, from extra point distance all the way to uh, to 50-plus on a, on a couple of those kicks. Um, what really caught my eye was, uh, particularly on the long-distance kicks, that uh it looks pretty effortless with him it's not it's not like it's not like you're seeing this uh you know this big wind up and and like you know maximum effort and you know a grunt when he kicks the ball or anything like that i mean it's uh whether he's kicking whether he's kicking a 33 yard extra point or or a 53 yard field goal um it looks uh it looks pretty easy in that that uh you know that that leg doesn't look like there's a whole lot of effort going into it and uh just from uh from the appearances it was uh it was impressive to watch um as you said everything with regard to accuracy and kicking in lambo field when the winds start to swirl in november and december and all that he's going to have a lot of stuff to work through just like uh just like any young player making that transition but uh um but boy you can certainly see why the Packers were high on him as a prospect, despite, you know, looking strictly statistically at some of his numbers from Auburn that, you know, the, 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 the percentages and whatnot didn't necessarily jump off the page. And, you know, there was some injury history there. This was a prospect that, uh, um, that the Packers really, really like, and we got to see why they like it. Why yeah, they that, like was, him. that was one thing I talked with Wooden about too. It, it it would be more of a concern, I think, if it was okay, structurally, this kid's, you know, he's kicking his back out, he's kicking his leg out. It's the freak injuries that happen there. I mean, yeah. trying to recover an onside kick, tearing your ACL, that's just bad luck, right? Yeah. And then spending your senior year trying to kick while having a knee brace on your plant leg. I mean, just things that kickers are not necessarily used to or, or really natural to them. But as you said, Mike, and, and it is, it, it's worth, it bears repeating the fact that he does it so effortlessly. What does that matter? Why is that such a big deal? Because the more you got to strain to kick that ball, the more likely it is you're going to miss hit it. You're going to lose that accuracy piece. When you are able to be free flowing and natural with your kicking motion, that's how you get it right down the pipe. That's one thing I learned from Mason Crosby. When everything else lines up, the distance and power takes care of itself. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a Justin Tucker's of the world. That I'm sure can probably just kick it from anywhere yeah. on the field and make it. Well, but, you you see you see guys like Justin Tucker. They make that extra effort when he's trying a 66 yarder or whatever. But when it's you know 55 or 58 yards and in anywhere in there, you know Justin uh, uh, Justin Tucker doesn't look like he's trying all that hard either. Yeah, and that and, that, and that's where this all comes together. And 
we'll have to see how this thing looks in training camp. But I think it's really interesting that the rookies, you know, that the Packers drafted there. How how funny is it that here we are going into training camp now, and that's the only other spe- that's the only specialist position where the Packers don't have multiple guys at. It's Anders Carlson, and the Packers are going to be looking for him to win that job this summer. Yeah. Well, one last topic before we sign off for the offseason. We did get to hear after Wednesday's practice from Rashawn Gary, the fifth-year outside linebacker. Um, first uh, comments to the media since injuring his knee, the torn ACL at Detroit last November. And a uh, story on the website, I wrote uh, wrote a quick story after the interview on um, Wednesday after that, uh, after the practice, he's not making any promises in terms of a timeline. He was asked, you know, Hey, can you be back for week one? How about training camp? You know, where are things at? And, and he just said multiple times, I'll be ready when I'll be ready. Um, but what I took from that, it was more of uh, it was more of how he said it and the attitude that he was carrying in answering those questions. He sounded very upbeat and positive. He likes the track that he is on. And uh, and if there's one thing we know about Rashawn Gary, it's that if there is anything he can do in terms of his rehab, if there's anything the medical staff is going to let him do to try to get his work his way back any faster, he is going to do it because uh, he's an absolutely relentless worker. And uh, and it sounds like, uh, um, you know, things are pointing in a positive direction in terms of his return at some point, hopefully early in the 2023 season. I don't know, Mike, if I've ever seen someone who seems to enjoy the grind more <laughs> than Rashawn Gary. Now, I'm sure he doesn't want to be having to go through a rehab right now. But when you talk about workouts, when you talk about going the extra mile, when you talk about practice, uh, this young man gives it his all, Mike. And and I have been I, I, there was a moment after he got done with this presser. His his scrum was on one side. I was I was over at Jordan Love on the other and I'm, I'm looking at him as he's walking back, you know, getting all of his other things together. And I'm like, dude, if, if I didn't know any better, I would think that Rashawn Gary is perfectly fine and in the best shape of his life. I mean, that that's yep. how he looks right now. He doesn't look like a guy that's rehabbing an ACL. He looks like a guy that's ready for week one. Don't go running away with that. It's still going to take time. You need to make <laughs> sure that the ACL is strong and everything. But the guys just, you can tell Mike, he has not taken a day off. If there's something that he's allowed to do, something that he's cleared and greenlit to do, he is going to do those activities. Oh, and then by the way, spent a lot of time here this off season was around all these young guys. Kingsley and Igbari is learning from that. Lucas Van Ness is learning from that. Every single young guy in there, Mike, much like with Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary has been that guiding light in that force. And if you have a teammate, a star, uh, a leader like him that is putting in all that effort and we don't know when he's going to be back to the field. Well, how much does that motivate you when you're the one they're going to be counting on until Rashawn is back until number 52 is running through that tunnel again. I just think it raises the awareness and, and heightens the energy and urgency of everybody on that defensive side of the ball. Because Mike, as we've heard all these guys talk about Preston Smith, Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, Kenny Clark, everybody talked about how last season didn't fully meet their expectations and where they want to see this thing go now in 2023. When Gary gets back, he is going to be hellfire and brimstone trying to take down the opposing quarterback. And I think everybody else that understands, okay, this is the work that Rashawn's putting in while I'm healthy and I'm ready to go. I have to make sure that I'm playing to that standard as well. 
Yeah, no question about it. And uh, oh, also in the midst of all the rehab and everything else, he found time to finish up his classwork and get his degree from the University of Michigan. He graduated uh, in Ann Arbor at the end of April. So congratulations to uh, to Rashawn Gary on that. That was a promise he had made to his mother when he left school early, entered entered the NFL draft with uh, with some uh, you know time in college still left to go. Um, so congrats to him there. This is we've talked about it Wes on this show you know on an annual basis we've seen the progression from Rashawn Gary a couple of sacks as a rookie handful of sacks his second year approaches double digits his third year and then he was going like gangbusters last year he had six sacks in the first eight games and it wasn't even just the sack numbers but you know but just the pressures the 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 constant pressure on the quarterback the impact he was having on opposing quarterbacks um I think he even had, you know, it, there might have been at least one one uh, uh, sack or something that was wiped out by a penalty, I think, early in the season last year. But he's on pace for for double digits, and who knows what he would have had. But then the injury happens in game number nine, uh, halfway through the season in in Detroit, and suddenly it all comes to a screeching halt. But um, but you just get the you just get the sense that uh, that at the end of the day, Rashawn Gary is going to make this uh, this ACL injury and the whole rehab and recovery just a, a a blip on the radar screen in terms of uh, in terms of where his career is going. And uh, and this Packers defense, I mean, Matt Lafleur even said, you know, yeah, I'm sort of you know looking out of the corner of my eye every day at what's going on with Rashawn Gary's rehab when he's off to the side during practice. How's he looking? How's he doing? I mean, everybody wants to see this guy back in uh in full force and uh we'll just have to see what the ultimately what the timeline is but uh but this Packers defense all of his teammates are going to be excited to get him back on the field at some point this coming season yeah and not that Rashawn Gary needs any extra motivation because I think the kid has that naturally ingrained in him that has already been uploaded into his uh you know memory bank but the fact is he is also going to, you know, he's entering a contract year. He's playing yep. on that fifth year option right now. When you were talking about what might've been, had he not got hurt, you don't know what extensions look like. You don't know what those guaranteed contracts look like. Uh, whenever he is cleared, whenever he's good to go, he's playing for that next contract too. So I just think there's so many things going the right direction for him and, and whatever happens, you don't have to worry about Rashawn Gary. You don't have to worry about what his motivation level is going to be like, how he's going to approach things. The kid is absolutely 190% all ball. And for the green Bay Packers, they need him back. They need that pass rush. They, I think if he's able to get back here at some point, I, I don't know when first half of the season, whenever, you know, you think about the possibilities with Lucas Van Ness, you think of the possibilities with all those guys, there's so many different things the green Bay Packers can do. And it's right there for them. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it'll be something to watch when uh, whenever we do see Rashawn Gary get uh, get back on the field. It's going to be a big story for this team and a, and a big lift for this 2023 Packers defense uh, whenever that does happen. So with that, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted, which also puts a wrap on the 2023 offseason. We will be back at some point just prior to training camp to uh, to preview what will be coming up when uh, when things hit full speed um, in training camp in late July. And hopefully, Wes, hopefully we won't be talking to each other, you know, through a computer screen. Maybe we'll be both back in the studio kind of with our old setup. We're crossing our fingers. That I won't that be here. Be the, I'm that, guaranteed that, that right that, now. I won't be in this spot. Crossing our fingers, that will be the case. We can get back to uh, the <laughs> traditional way that uh, that we produce this show. So the way the good Lord intended, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with that, 
For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody, and we will see you next time.